Hits of all time on WNJH HD1 Hammond. Views and opinions expressed on this show are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers who are entirely responsible for all show content and do not reflect the opinions of WNJHradio.com. This program is not intended to diagnose any condition or promote any lifestyle. And now, WNJHradio.com presents The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo from Calvary Chapel Church in Hamilton. Hi, everybody, and thank you so much for joining us. We have a great show for you this evening. We are continuing our discussion, the topic of prayer. Not only why is prayer effective, but uh, how God hears prayer, why he hears prayer, when he hears prayer, what and how to pray. The who, what, when, where, why, and how. So we're going to begin this evening with prayer. So join me, will you? Father, we come to you. It is good to know that you listen, it's good to know that we have the ability to come boldly to the throne of grace, where, of mercy, where we can find grace. And Lord, it is our privilege to be here to proclaim Jesus Christ to the world. He's the, the author of peace. He is our hope. So Lord, thank you. And uh, this world could use a little bit more hope, could use some joy. So this evening, help us to find it in you. We give you all the praise in that glorious name of Jesus. Amen. With us this evening, I have two terrific guests. One, Dr. Kenneth Irvis. You can see him waving over there. He's uh, finishing up his research. (laughs) And then a uh, fine young man here to my left, uh, wearing one of the coolest hats I've seen. (laughs) This is Vincent Lombardo, and he is going to share with us a little bit of topic. What we have here is a conversation concerning prayer. We want us to be able to, to... explore and look at what not only what the Bible has to say about it, but what some of the people in the Bible have to say about it. So I'm going to just ask, uh, this is my son Vincent, by the way, I'm going to ask my son Vincent, I'm going to say, so who is it that you want to talk about this evening? Um, I'm going to be talking about Paul and his life of prayer, you know, one of the biggest examples of fairly consistent prayer life and uh, being able to pray and reach out even through Challenges that most of us don't face and probably never will face, you know, in the culture and society we live in, still maintaining that wonderful walk and prayer life that uh, we should all be striving for. Awesome. One of the things that I looked at is, in the Gospel of John, we have recorded prayers, and last week we looked at one of the most magnificent prayers, the prayer of Jesus, recorded in John chapter 17. And it's easy to look and say, I wonder what John's prayer life was like. Well, God doesn't leave us wanting to, to guess what John's prayer life was like. And I want you to know that the gospel writers, they spent an inordinate amount of time in prayer. They talked to each other consistently and constantly, and they talked to God as though he was present in the room with them all the time. Whenever they talked or sent a letter to someone, they would... Uh, at the very least, they would end it with, and this is my prayer for you guys, and this is my prayer, uh, continue in prayer. So when you look at the Apostle Paul, did you see, do you remember, or as you're talking about, was there a change or a unique circumstance in his life that you saw his prayer life change? Um, well, arguably, the biggest one would be in in his personal conversion when he went from more or less assuming he had all the answers and all the biblical knowledge that he could want nor need, and then into the idea of like actually having a personal up-close encounter with Jesus and the way you know God wanted him to live. That had to 
I mean, you could see the way it drastically changed him. He went from the, the idea of I'm doing all the right things by persecuting all these people to I was the chief of sinners and I got a lot of work <laughs> in front of me to do. You know, we see over and over again, Paul's life is just constantly on prayer. He starts many of his letters or, you know, in the beginning of most of his letters somewhere, it says, you know, I do not cease to pray for you. We see that in uh, the two I found. I'll read them because I... Why not read some scripture, right? Hey, sounds good to me. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah, we got uh, the first one is, oh man, I lost the reference. Ephesians um, 2, 2 or 1. I think it's 1 verse 15. Therefore, also after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers for the God of Uh, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding to be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of this calling, what are the riches of glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us that believe according to the working of his mighty power. Uh, It's just an interesting perspective we see where, um, (laughs) you know, Paul says... I'm not going to stop praying for you in this. And he just continues to list a bunch of things, which is something that um, I find interesting about Paul. He's the kind of person that says, I'll pray for you, but means it, as opposed to how many people do you know nowadays that it's like, I'll pray for you is borderline an insult (laughs) at any given moment. You know, how often have you felt like you've asked someone for help on something and you're just like, and their, their response is, oh, I'll pray for you or let me pray for that for you. And it almost feels like it cuts a little bit, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Paul's that kind of person where if every one of your letters and all of your action is based on like, Hey, this is prayer. This is teaching. This is discipleship. This is this. When someone says they're going to pray for you, they mean it. You know, we look even in, um, uh, Colossians one verse nine, he says, for this reason also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Same thing again. And to ask you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding that you can walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bring, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. And he continues on from there. But in just these two references, we see that they hear about something and their their response is, we're not going to stop praying a bit for you or about that for you, or that this would just not only be that this wouldn't be the end. This would only be the first step. And that's a big deal. You know, um, we, we have a good friend, everybody in this room knows Pastor Ed, and we've talked about him on the show before. He's one of the biggest examples, I won't say the only people, one of the biggest examples when he says, I will pray for you, or what can I pray for you for, where you know that before you finished your sentence, he started. It's already going. That wheel's turning. And he's one of those people that before you can walk, if you're like, hey, can you really pray for me in this? Before you can walk away, before you're out of arm's reach, he's got a hand on you. Hey, let's pray for it now. Because he doesn't want to miss those opportunities. How important that is. He's, (laughs) I love Ed to death. He's pretty much one of those modern day Paul's ideas where he bounces all over teaching, encouraging, praying, reaching out. You know, it's one of those things that is invaluable in a you know in anyone in a leadership capacity to just be seen in the word and in prayer and if your life is a lifestyle of prayer it's going to be evident to everyone you meet like i said i've i've been quote unquote insulted by the idea of i'll pray for you or oh sweetheart i'll pray for that <laughs> you know i've gotten that we've all gotten that at least once in our life and it's and it's almost like okay can you leave now yeah, it's like you know what? Probably don't. How about I just pray for it on my own? Your sounds mean, you know. And we see that where like uh, Paul's life <clears throat> was just about that. He's like, hey, I heard this about you. I'm praying for it. Not, 
do you want me to pray for this for you? Not, let me wait and see what they say back. <laughs> he's writing letters, and he's not waiting for the snail mail. He's up there, and he's just like, I'm going to be proactive in my prayer life, and that's important. You know, when we have an opportunity just to lift somebody up, you know, when you're encouraged by something someone's done, praise his name. <laughs> if you're discouraged by something, pray it out. Seek for wisdom. You know, it's like all those kind of things we see, and if that's not your lifestyle, if it's not your active lifestyle, then... You're gonna you're gonna have a lot harder time making those connections, making that relation, and you know just genuinely blessing other people. You know it's a big deal. And like I said, I, I love Pastor Ed to death. He's that kind of person. I'll just get a random text from him. What can I pray for you for today? And the answer you're never allowed to answer with no. Everything's good because he's like, all right, we'll come back when you don't want to lie to me. I'm like, all right, fine. <laughs> How about this? And he's like, getting warmer. <laughs> you know, and he just genuinely wants to do that. You know, and I think Paul was that person for a lot of people. They see someone like Paul coming into their town, and they're like, Paul's finally here. Paul's finally here. All these letters were so encouraging. Let's let's get together and let's pray about it. You know, let's meet. He spent he spent a lot of time in some places, a short amount of time in others. But you know, he was popular, and you know, people were like, that's the kind of guy we need praying for us. That's the kind of guy that we need to teach us a little bit more about prayer to instruct us. And, you know, just his actions and the letters that he wrote to each and every church that he wrote to, you know, they lead a wonderful example in the idea of the structure for prayer. You know, step one, we didn't stop praying for you for this. Oh, you know, because how easy is it just be like, Lord, for Pastor Vince, help him to look better today. <laughs> Done. And that's it. You can't, it doesn't work that way. You know, I mean, it's, it's important to have those kind of quick moments. And that's one of the beauties of the intimacy we have with God. But Paul takes it as a personal burden when he hears these things to really carry it out. And that's something that shines through, um, immensely in each and every one of his letters. When he, when he says things like that, you know, he means it. And that's a big deal. One of the things that I see in him is that as he's going about on his belly, he took letters from high-ranking people to go and lock up men and women, persecute them even mm-hmm. to death if necessary to get them uh, to stop following after this Jesus. How can you pray about that? You know, Can you imagine <laughs> going to prayer saying, God, help me in my endeavor to beat these men and women in front of their children publicly <laughs> yeah. and stone them to death, help us to be efficient, make my first throw true— Lord, as I hold their jackets of those that are throwing stones at Stephen, uh, don't let my arms get tired. What could you possibly <laughs> pray for when you know that what you're doing violates even simple humanity, let alone the Word of God? You, and he was zealous for the law, but never zealous for God. He he admits that. Mm-hmm. And then, I, I think he went after uh, the early church because he thought that they were blasphemers that Christ was not the Messiah. He was a false Messiah because he believed, like a lot of people believe, that he was going to overthrow Rome and establish the kingdom of Israel as, a, as the kingdom, central kingdom of the world and release um, the Jewish people from the rule of Rome. And when he was crucified and these people still believed in it, him, these people being the church, he said, we have to get rid of this uh, cultic, aberrant, uh, heretical group. And I think it was because they were certainly afraid of Rome. You know, they knew that Rome was going to surround them. Rome had already taken up positions. Uh, But they missed the fact that Jesus Christ came in and brought great clarity and said, don't you know that all of these things are happening because you've compromised? If you don't stop your compromise, 
did. The sin is laying. Uh, Satan is waiting at the door yeah. because you've compromised. Yeah. And they're like, well, I've never compromised. I would never. Like, who look who you're in worship with. You're, you've set yourself up with the a Sadducee, and you said, yes, this man is a good spiritual leader for you, little Johnny, and he doesn't believe in a heaven, he doesn't believe in an afterlife, he doesn't believe in miracles, he doesn't believe in angels. He doesn't believe in the judgment of God. He doesn't believe in the judgment of God, and this guy is going to be your spiritual leader? Well, we don't really want to argue over the minutia. And you wonder why God is angry at you? You're happy to have Herod build you a temple because it's pretty. You're happy to have the Romans have a fortress right on the end of your temple mount, and you're okay with that, and you're mad at me? What, what is wrong with you? You'll, you'll kill innocent women and children. That's in the name of God. But you'll embrace and take full financial support from those who are thoroughly compromised. And, and it's the compromise. I mean, and when you do become compromised, you become weak. And a primary example of that was Peter at the fire on the day Christ was taken in for his trial. So you, you were looking up Peter. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff. That, as you looked that up, uh, can you point me to that section of Scripture where he's by the fire? What, which one are you at? Are you in oh, Matthew no, or are you in Luke? Uh, I don't know. Okay, you got me. I just thought, I didn't know if you had it in your no, hand because I, I saw your Bible open. Okay. <laughs> well, in the, in the two sections of Scripture, you got Matthew and Luke both record you know him and his failure. But as you're going through that, I'm not. I, we just have a discussion here. I don't need you to you know uh, get too deep. Well, as he's there. Just before he denies Jesus the three times, there is no record of him praying at all. But Jesus asked him, even in the garden, said, watch and pray. And he only did half. He watched, but he didn't pray. He watched from a distance. He watched from the fire. He watched from where John allowed him access. He watched from the garden. He watched from before. He'd watch, but Jesus said, watch is good, <laughs> but watch and pray. And he didn't pray. And when you don't pray, bad things are going to happen. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're prone to failure. How can you not? So when you look at the prayer life of these guys, you know, their prayer life radically changed after they failed miserably. Yeah. It's at Matthew 27, 69. Now, Peter sat outside in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him saying, came to him saying, You all, you also, were with Jesus of Galilee, but he denied it before them, all saying, "I do not know what you are saying." And when he had gone out up to the gateway, another girl saw him and said to him, "Who were?" You? Said to those who were with him. This fellow also was with Jesus of Nazareth, but again he denied with an oath, I do not know the man. And after a while, those who stood by came to him and said to Peter, surely you also are one of them because of your speech betrays you. Then he began to curse and swear, saying, I do not know that man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and he did not believe God. He did not believe Jesus when he said, you will deny me three times before the rooster crows. And Jesus so told it, him how to not 
fail. Right. Pray. Watch and pray. And he didn't. He watched, but he didn't pray. And then he failed. Fell right on his face. So how did that change his life? Of that failure, okay, towards the end when Jesus is resurrected and meets them at the Sea of Galilee and has fish already cooking and bread already warmed, says, have you caught anything? And towards the end, he says, let me see if I can find it. Well, while you're looking that up, and we're going to talk about Peter for a moment. You know, Peter failed to failed to pray as he watched. He uh, leaned on his own understanding. He started to rely on his own strength and did not believe he had a weakness in that area. Yes. Maybe he thought, hey, I already asked Jesus before. I like your prayer life. Would you teach us to pray? And Jesus taught him to pray. So you would think that he would, he would have gotten it. But there's something that happens in the life of the believer— we start to develop a prayer life, and then we begin to compare our prayer life. And you find that, that Jesus said, look, I want you guys to be aware of uh, prayer lives of people. There's a Pharisee and a reprobate. Both walk into the temple, and the Pharisee walks in there, and he says, I thank my God that I'm not like this fellow, a sinner, a terrible man. Uh, thank you for making me so much better <laughs> than him. And then the other man said, Father, forgive me, for I'm a sinner. And he was beating his chest because he was humble. Jesus said, which one of these guys do you think left without a burden? And I'm like, well, you know, the Pharisee didn't go in with a burden because he thought he had his life wired. Jesus said, that's right. And he was poor, naked, wretched, and blind, and he doesn't even recognize it. The other man recognized he had a burden and said, I need to loose my burden. How do I get rid of my burden? I go and confess my sin. My God, my Heavenly Father forgives me of my sin, and I'm set free. Prayer set him free. The other man did not recognize he had a burden. Prayer only solidified the fact that your pride and your arrogance are blinding you. You're poor, naked, wretched, and blind. You're already poor, naked, and wretched, but now you're even your own arrogance is making you blind. What is your prayer life doing to you? Well, you see, Peter, I know Doc is researching something. Peter, when he failed, he's like, oh, my goodness, this is terrible. Jesus had to restore him in John 21. He had to restore him back to that position. But then when you see Peter talking and encouraging, he does exactly what Jesus told him was going to happen. When you come back, you're going to deny me, but when you come back, strengthen the brethren. Strengthen the brethren. It's not about you. So when Paul learned prayer is not about me, prayer is about furthering the kingdom, he had to learn how to pray. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul learning how to pray? Doc, you got something you want to share? Yeah. Um, The other thing is, you said two things uh, hinder your prayer life. Mm -hmm. One we said was sin, and the other one was what Peter talks to in 1 Peter 3, 7, a husband's uh, love your wives, because if you don't, that will hinder your prayer. However, there's a third thing that I'd like to add to that, and that's unforgiveness. If you are unforgiving to somebody else or if you are unforgiving to yourself, that will hinder your prayers. So when Jesus restores Peter, this is how it reads in John 21. Thank you for John 21, 15. 
So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And the word love there is agape. And, uh, said, and Simon said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I agape you. He said to him, feed my lambs. And 16, he said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Agape again. He said to him, you, you, know, you, you know that I agape you. He said to Peter, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you phileo me? Which is brotherly love, not agape love. And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you phileo me, which is a lesser form of love than agape. And he said to Jesus, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And that was the restoration that Peter underwent. He denied him three times, and Jesus restored him three times, and even came down to his level um, to restore him, to let him know that he should forgive himself and to move on. So to me, those are the three things that could hinder prayer. If you are unforgiving to someone, that's going to hinder your prayer. If you are unforgiving of yourself, you know, uh, Paul said, I don't look back. I press forward. Because if you look back, you start to not forgive yourself. So if God forgives you, and, and everyone who is born again knows they're forgiven, then don't overrule God's forgiveness. You should forgive yourself, too, and know that you're forgiven. So, so for a gold star... Where's the first place you see Peter? Uh, Peter and John, uh, chapter, arguably, nineteen. Uh, he's arguing with, with Jesus about what God's called him to. In John twenty-one, he says, "Thank you very much for what you're doing, but what about John? What about this fellow?" Yeah. And of course, Jesus tells him, "You're going to be led places where you don't want to go," because there was still some animosity between the two of them, uh, even right up until Jesus restoring Peter. You can almost hear John saying, you're the one that's, didn't Didn't you just stand up just a couple of days ago and say, even if all these others deny you, I would never deny you. Wasn't that you there, big, strong, burly guy? I might have even used words like, wasn't that you, Samson? Wasn't that you, uh, Sonny Boy? I mean, look at you. You're big and you're strong and your words were almighty. And, and, and I heard it was a little girl. It was a little, two little girls. In fact, I was wondering why you didn't come all the way in. I was inside watching and praying, and, and you were outside warming cursing at Cursing that two little girls. Oh, my goodness. What oh, a terrible man. Thing. So you, then you find Peter then confronting Jesus or confronted by Jesus. And when he's confronted by Jesus, the next time you see Peter, you see him with John going to the temple to pray. Yeah. Peter and John went to the temple to pray. Why? Because he failed. Watch and pray. 
I didn't pray. I I, I need to pray. And they were John, told. John, you did okay, but you still ran like a little scared rabbit, and bad things are happening. The Messiah was crucified. Everybody else left him. And now what are you going to do? I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to go at the third hour of the day, and I'm going to pray. And then God will open up doors. But you have to take that step. We have to change. What, what changed in their life? Well, failure caused them to change. For Peter, it was failure caused him to start to pray. For John, it was failure that caused him to start to pray. For Paul, it was certainly failure that caused him to start to pray. I'm not going to ask you guys what you know to confess here on uh, the radio what caused you to start to pray, but failure makes you causes you to pray. Well, you know, as and I was, seek forgiveness. You know, one of the circumstances, and uh, I'm going to let you. Ask. There were some people who had some unique circumstances uh, that they may have when they pray or what causes them to pray in unique circumstances. Why don't you take that chance? All right. Um, I'll, I'll start with an easy one, one I'm more familiar with. As I always talk about the uh, senior high, the, the group we run at church, and one of the things is the past couple years where they've been feeling a little more alone than ever, I have had a lot of good conversations with them, and they're like, I'm trying to pray, but I don't know how. And I was like, well, what's it look like to you right now? Because they're like, well, I just feel alone, and I'm like, God, I hope you can hear me, type thing. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a really great start. Look at you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like because he wants to. I, you know, we've been going over that time and time again with them specifically, and you just look at just the idea. You know, it's it's such a simple thing. Like Jesus literally just looks at him and says, "Watch and pray." Those are simple things. We all watch. We all watch something. Watch and pray. Okay. The prayer part. Well, why do we why do we look so deeply into that and see as that's something that you have to be overly spiritual for? You know, I had a conversation with a friend of mine not that long ago. We sat down together to pray, and he ends the conversation after every prayer. He's like, man, I just love hearing you pray. And I was like, why? <laughs> like, that's weird to me. He was like, I wish I could just play. I wish I could pray the way you do. And I was like, you can't. You're not me. Like it's, yeah, you know, I, that's good. and like, and it, I was like, and it is nothing on my own. It's just that that's how I learned to communicate. It's all based on my bed and my perspective. And I keep telling the kids on like Wednesdays and stuff when we talk about, it, I'm like, you're going to have a unique perspective. We were talking today with a friend of ours. Uh, my father and I were talking and we were just like, everyone should have a different perspective on pair on prayer. Wow. I'm just jumping all this coffee. We, uh, <laughs> we all should, what, Take what we have come through specifically, and it will shape and it will structure how you seek out help from God. Because everyone in this room is a different person, lived a different life with different struggles, different failures. We've all had them, and we've all been in a different situation. You know, I am not a doctor. You know, you have been in life and death situations holding someone on the verge, probably thinking something like this could be their last moment on earth. You know, whether or not that's an exact story or not is not the point, but like you, you've been in those situations that I may never be in and have never been in. And I don't really need to be in, you know, I have no desire, but (laughs) that kind of just sister may have been in, but that kind of immediate and just overwhelming concept of the power of prayer. I am sure I'm because I've known you long enough. I am sure that you've been in a situation where you're holding the hand of someone losing someone or someone could be on a table in front of you and you're trying to keep them alive and you're praying because you might even be holding an artery. We don't yeah. we don't have any idea. <laughs> you want to hear a story? I want to hear a true story. I had a lady um she was bleeding out literally. You could hear the blood pouring onto the floor. Three of my best friends 
in, in the hospital turned around and said, if you don't operate on this woman, she is going to die. Another, another three friends uh, uh, took me to the side and said, if you touch this woman, she is going to die. That's a three and three. One's telling me we got to <laughs> operate, and the other, if you touch her, she's going to, and both are saying she's going to die. I said, okay, what do you want me to do, God? I mean, because the shortest prayer you can say that if, if it's really earnest is help. Yeah. He hears that. You can get, you know, long, and I did not come out with a long, <laughs> flowery, oh, dear Heavenly Father who created heaven and earth. <laughs> uh, he, he says, get to the point, son. Yep. Help. Help me, Father. Tell me what I'm supposed to do and when I'm supposed to do it. And at one time, the chairman of my department looked at me and said, okay, doc, what are we doing? And we said, we go now. And that lady lived. So God answers prayers, but you got to be listening and you can't go on, on, on the Which wisdom of men <laughs> because three said, you got to do something. She's dying. And three said, if you do something, you're going to kill her. So, and I went outside and I told the family to pray. And a, a little Hindi doctor turned around and says, okay, everybody pray to your God. And, and that's, that's how really Is crazy Is allowed to do that on the radio? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. I don't <laughs> like what happened. Yeah, I had, a, I had a teacher and, and when I was a resident, <laughs> and I just fell in love with the different accents. Mm. But she turned around and said, everybody, that's how antsy it was. Because the three looked at each other and said, I don't know what to tell them. So could you imagine if you're... I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Could you imagine if your prayer life were so sketchy huh. that huh. in that situation, right there when you're confronted with, because everything up until that point, let's just argue, and I wasn't there, everything up until that point was textbook routine. Everything's great. The numbers are coming back terrific. The All the staff are saying, hey, we're going to have a wonderful delivery in a couple hours. She's at five. Eight, whatever the number, no, magic number is. She was a scheduled C-section. Okay, so I'm just saying. Okay. So here you are, you're in circumstances that are up until this point normal. So you're relying on all of your own normal understanding, medical skill, training, all the years of experience, wisdom passed down from generations of doctors <laughs> gone before you, but you do not have a prayer life. And now you're confronted with real life and death immediate, emergent <laughs> circumstances, and you now have to go to God and say, you know, I know we haven't talked in a while. I'm not quite sure if you hear prayer. I don't know how to get a prayer across to you that would be effective. I, I don't even know if I'm doing this right. And then all of a sudden you hear, somebody get the crash cart. You know what, Lord, if I had a better prayer life, I probably would be able to get some wisdom from you. Hmm. Then you hear somebody say, get the paddles. Now you're in there saying, you're out in the hallway, and you're saying, man, if I only had the ability to pray more, and then they say, clear. I mean, I'm just doing whatever I see on TV. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> clear. No, no, and then you go no, back in there. No, and you th this is what was said. Is there any more blood in the city? Oh. Yeah. It's I, not in the hospital. In the city, people were people were getting their open hearts and everything else, and a lot of the emergency was being cut off because she put twenty seven units on the floor. Wow, 
she used up all the, the blood in Atlantic City, and they were starting to call Philly <laughs> and the surrounding area. And I think that's one of those opportunities, like I said, that, that moment never shaped my prayer life, but it, I'm sure it shaped yours. Oh. Because in that moment, you look at it and you're like, this is clear as day because you have that relationship. And I try to, and I, like, I will default to the youth mentality, so I always try to tell the kids, I'm like, listen, kids. It's it's as simple as you said. Help, please. Like he cares about that. I said, but the fact of the matter is, I said, often think about it like this. It's easier to send up a prayer than it is to send a text. Now, outside yes. of this room, almost anyone you hand a phone to can send a text on anyone's phone. You know, because that's the culture we live in. How much easier should it be to do something where it doesn't take physical effort? I was like, guys, like you can. And the one kid looked at me like I exploded their brain. They're like, you're right. It is easier, and that's easy for us. I'm like, it is easy for you. So you look at it and you're like, how do you? How do you apply that to your life? What's the big deal? The fact of the matter is prayer is a huge blessing that we're given. It's a gift that we're given and allowed to have access to literally the creator of the universe. Now, the the one thing is it's important to maintain the idea of a relationship with prayer. And I think that's where the more you know someone, I'm ever I talked about it on Wednesday with the kids. I said, listen, like here's a here's a good example of your prayer life. Raise your hand if you have a best friend. Right. Okay. Raise your hand if you've ever communicated with that best friend without words. <laughs> and they were like, almost everybody in the room raised their hand. Raise your hand if you've ever communicated an entire thought train with one word or four words or whatever, you know, just something simple where mm-hmm. you're just like, ready? You have, and that's it. And you just look at someone and they have it. I was like, you you can do that because of the intimate relationship you have with someone, the way you know how they're going to respond, the way you know how they're going to react. And that's one of those things like, it is a beautiful thing that more so than you know any person that you can have, you have more information about God, the creator of the universe, than your friend is willing to tell you about themselves at your best friend. So the fact of the matter is you want to talk about something where you can communicate without even actually verbalizing words, talk about the idea, talking to the guy that created you, that gave you an open book into how to understand him and how how to you know see what he can be faithful through. People, I mean, often nowadays, I, I hate to do this, I, I don't. I, <laughs> no, I see, you don't. No, I don't. <laughs> I see a very, very large percentage, I'm looking for nice words, percentage of people in church bodies, not just ours, that not over, only value the New Testament as like the deciding factor in their life. Now, God gave us a whole book. I'm going to tell you why, in my opinion, <laughs> and you guys can smack me around later. The God of the Old Testament specifically is an incredible, awesome God. Awesome, emphasis on the awe. He's an awesome God. You want to talk about a God that's parting waters? (laughs) A God that is sending chariots and taking people home? You want to talk about a guy that sent ten plagues to a culture just... To, to, sh- to, to free it. his people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and be, be an impact. That's a God with, with more power and arguably that we see listed in the New Testament. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus' Jesus's resurrection was any less powerful. I'm saying that specifically, God has given you insight into who he is. That powerful God that had control over the flood, that powerful God that sent those plagues to Egypt, that powerful God that can do all those kind of things, wrote you the second half of the book, to tell you what he wants from you, that he loves you. Little little bit simpler terms to say, follow this. This is a recipe for success. Do this. The, the entire first half, if you take nothing else away from it, you can walk away with an understanding of a powerful and wonderful God that 
holds the world in his hands. And then you can flip the page and realize that that's the God that wants you to say, help, daddy, help, (laughs) help, you know? The one word prayer. And that's exactly it. And the fact of the matter is, like, you know, the kids are like, I don't understand how people, like, I had a kid ask me, they're like, it says pray without ceasing. I'm like, yes. And they're like, what does that mean? How do you how do you keep praying out loud and doing those things? I was like, you don't. And they're like, well, what do you mean? I was like, I don't, do you hear me walking around saying, <laughs> dear Jesus, thank you so much for everything that we do. Hi, Rick. You know, let me just keep going. <laughs> just, yeah. It doesn't work that way. The fact of the matter is we often overlook it, you know, and, and you know, it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle of prayer. It's one of those things where you're like, God, help me to make the next right step. Help me to do the next simple thing. It's not. <laughs> and, and it can be, it can be. He loves you so much. Uh, remember the time when we had uh, a video of Ravi Zacharias at the church? Well, I was working, and I, you, I, I loved Ravi Zacharias, and I had to work late. And I t- said this kind of a prayer, and it was a whiny prayer. <laughs> it was. He lived, he, he's, That's what you're kids his do. kid. That's what kids do. That's what kids do. And I said, <laughs> Lord, you know I wanted to really see him and I'm going to miss him and I I won't be able to get there in time. So I jumped in my car and I'm coming down 30 and I'm, I don't want to get a ticket. I don't want to speed up, go down 30, go down 30. And I finally get to the church and I walk in the door and they had technical difficulties till I walked in the door and Mm -hmm. I turned around and said, Thank you. I'm sorry. Yeah, I you ruined everybody else's experience. <laughs> yeah, I did, <laughs> but I got, he got he got me. To, he said they'll wait because you whined and you <laughs> really wanted to do. So it's your fault. Yes, that, it was. It my, was my fault. That, well, that it's something that it's something that if you look at the biblical example that God gives us, He specifically, very, very specifically, time and time again, fleshes out. I don't want to say the idea. The fact of God the Father. He wants to specifically have that familial relationship with you. He has given you more information than you care to know, or you would know this Bible by heart. So, And he knows all the more about you, and he wants to have that relationship. And I had that conversation with one of my senior high kids. They said, well, where do I begin when I want to start praying? I was like, you want to know my best one? I was like, I don't know the actual answer. Like, I can give you structure. We could tell you what it looks like if you really want to break it down. I was like, here's the best one. Why don't you close your eyes when you get home tonight and say, God, I'm going to jump into your word. Please help me understand it. And let me get to know you through it. And I was like, and if you want to do the cliche thing where you close it and then open it to wherever it opens, I said, I said, I would be shocked personally if God doesn't help you understand whatever you read when you're praying, seeking that wisdom. He says, seek my wisdom. I want to give it to you. He says it over and over again. How many, I'm not going to pretend to tell you how many times, but he says it all the time. Seek, get. And that's all it is. So sometimes it's that humility saying, I need your help in this. And we see that over and over and over again listed in scripture. This kid, tell them, do this. And they did that. They came back. They're like, wow. So I really understood something I never looked over before. And I had read this section before and blah, blah, blah. And they came back and I was like, it's a simple concept Mm -hmm. because I said, you can look at it. I think we talked about it one of the last times I was on here. You know, if I call out to one of my kids or you call out to one of my kids and we say, if I say, Aubrey, come, come to the left to daddy. And you say, Come to the right to daddy. She's going to be like, that's not daddy's voice. I'm going that way. (laughs) You know, like she's going to say, I'm not, that's not daddy's voice. I'm not going that way. But she knows me that well. We have that relationship. Without that relationship, how are you going to hear the still small voice, the the subtle guidance? Mm -hmm. You know, prayer is a two way street. We often look at it like, hey, I'm going to send up my prayer and gimme, 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 which is 
I don't the staple of being a child. I'm pretty sure I still do it. But you look at it, it's like, gimme, gimme, gimme. And he's like, well, stop talking long enough for me to help you. Stop talking long enough for me to bless you. Stop talking long enough for me to show you what you need, okay? You know, and we, we don't me, often do that. Wait for me to tell you what to do. Can yeah. I read something from Peter's? <laughs> uh, Can you? Hold, hold on. Before you do that, we got one of our good listeners, and no, he's not Wayne from church. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Wayne. Uh, but she has three questions. So okay. I'm going to start awesome. with the first Great. one, and then we can go to Doc, and then we'll go to the other one. She wants to know what is the best way to learn the best way to pray? So I'll throw that one at you. So what would be the best way for her to learn since you're teaching the youth? She's a a young youth. How would you help her with that? If she is looking for like a structured book on it, I'd say I don't really have the one off the top of my head. That's this is the one. God gives us examples of His specific prayer, and in we look at the Lord's prayer specifically, where He He breaks it down. Almost making it idiot proof. If you look at it with, I want this to be idiot proof lens, you can see it. I, because I did one time, I was like, all right, let me just see this. Oh my goodness, it's right there. But you don't know until you know. <laughs> and you look at the Lord's Prayer, our Father, which art in heaven, mm-hmm. greeting God. The same way you formulate almost any letter, structure, phone call. Hey, ha- hey, this acknowledging the person. Uh, can, now, I, can I just add one thing? When you said maybe. it was idiot proof, yeah. look at who he was talking to. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> uh, you went there. True, but we got we'll be, we'll be raided and you went there. You know, okay. but we keep going and you look at he says, Our Father who art in heaven. He's greeting that specific person. Mm-hmm. Like it's an acknowledgement of who he is. Yes. Hallowed be thy name. Hey, you're pretty holy. You're pretty awesome. And I stand in recognition of that. That's an it's an easy it's an easier word of like hallowed be you know, like we don't speak like that anymore, but mm-hmm. that you know, your thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're specifically asking for his will in our life. And that that is probably the most important part, in my opinion, mm-hmm. of that section. Because often I pray and I really want to want to see this done. And I would really, 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 mm-hmm. really, 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 really like it if you could. Right. And that's not important, <laughs> you know? Well, she's got a chuckle out of your idiot-proof <laughs> okay. comment. So, Doc, go ahead. You wanted to say something. Um, no, uh, uh, let him, because I, I have something to read okay. on, on All right, prayer. Continue. All right, then we'll go with question number two. Okay. I had a friend pray for me once at work. She pulled me aside and prayed right there and then. Was she like Paul? Um, I would say, yeah, why not? Why would you not? When you take that opportunity just to pull someone aside and pray for them, you're allowing no time for variables. I'll tell you what. And like, uh, I hate to speak for Paul. I don't, you know, I only know what's written about him. Well, but, anybody, I mean, you know, but I, like I said, I'll talk about answer. Pastor Ed specifically. Like when he takes that opportunity to just say, if you look at him and say, I need prayer, he says, let's pray about it. Because mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is. And he did that yesterday. It's very important, you know, and we and we see that over and over again in his life. We see that over and over again in people like Paul's life, where it's that constant lifestyle of prayer will lead to actions like that. It will lead to more purpose in what you do. You'll be very, very surprised at what God can do. And I'll speak only about myself. One time I was in church, this guy I've seen a thousand times in there. You know, I, I know his name. I know enough about him. We've hung out on occasion in groups. Fine. He came up and I was like, Hey, how you doing today, buddy? He's like, can you just pray for me this upcoming week? And he told me what he wanted to pray about. And I was like, and without hesitation for probably the first time in my life that I can recall and care about, I was like, let's do it right now. 
I was just like, let's go mm-hmm. right now. And I could tell you that a tear filled that guy's eye. And he looked at me. He's like, I really just needed this. Thank you. I was just hoping someone would pray for me. And I was like, let's go. Like, I can't believe I've never done this before, you know? So I think it's an incredibly encouraging thing. And I think people like Paul would be the first people to like, yes, let's pray about that. You got a problem? Let's do it. If his entire lifestyle is, you know, emphasizing prayer and it's in every letter he wrote ever, pretty mm-hmm. much, that I'm praying for you, or I'm praying for them, or I'm doing this. I do not cease praying. Of course, that's going to be his lifestyle to overflow. So emulating that is an incredibly good thing, you know? All right. So here's part three, and I think, Pastor, you may want to chime in on this one, because you and I had this conversation once before. When one of my friends is going through grief from a death of a loved one, I always say to them, I'll keep you in my prayers. Is that the proper wording, or should I say it differently? I like that sentence. Any sentence that says, I care about you enough to continually pray for you is what you're offering. Because sometimes people don't know what to pray when they're in the middle of grief, when they're in the middle of sorrow, because uh, what, they're, what they're experiencing is their emotions are overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And when emotions overwhelm, you really do know the truth. For instance, you have a, a loved one whom you're very close to, wife, parent, they have a great relationship with the Lord. You know that they're, uh, when they close their eyes here for the last time, they're going to open them in heaven, but yet they passed away. You don't know how to pray. Lord, I can't, I can't rejoice for them. I know where they are. I know that they're freed from whatever painful circumstances. Maybe it was tragic. Maybe Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. My grief is real. I don't know what to pray. Because all I want is to have them back, and I know that that's not going to happen. So having them back is not on the table. What do I pray? Lord, let me feel good about this? I can't feel good about this. Lord, help me to uh, forget about them so I don't feel this pain? No, that's terrible prayer. I don't know what to pray. But if you've got somebody in your life that can come alongside of you, and can look you right in the eyes and say, I-, I don't know what you're feeling, but I know that there's a God who wants to comfort you in the midst of this. He wants to carry you through. I will pray that for you. I will pray that God will give you, give you comfort beyond your circumstances, that he'll take you and give you this wisdom beyond your understanding so that you can know that there is nothing that can separate you from the love of God. And I'm not going to take them to platitudes. I'm going to take them to Scripture of encouragement. I'm going to take them to the, the solid rock of Psalm 91, that the Lord is my strength and my tower, and he, you can uh-huh. rely on him. I can take them to Psalm 23, even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me, personal, intimate God who knows me by name and walks me by the hand. That's where I would take them, and I would pray that for them. Lord, this loved one, is in great pain. They don't know what to do next. So, it's uh, touching on that a little bit no, with the right idea here. of sometimes you don't have that time. I, n- not in any way undermining what you're saying because I agree entirely. No, always get him to scripture, but I think sometimes even in the reference point she's making is you just someone's just like you can see they're upset. You're bumping into them in shop right, and it's not. We have three hours to dive into the scripture okay. and get over this. You know, like when you're looking at it, I can tell you that when your lifestyle and your personality are are things like Paul's or like in my life, it's Pastor Ed. When you just see when someone says I'll pray for you and they mean it, you know it, and that's the difference. So it almost doesn't matter what you're saying 
anything along those lines. You know, the exact breakdown of the sentence isn't what is important if your heart behind it is just purely genuine in that. So when you when you someone can tell that you're relating to the pain they're going through or that you're willing to hear what they're going through and you could say that it I don't want to say it almost doesn't matter what you say, but it almost doesn't matter what you say. It's a you know, the cliche phrase mama told me is it doesn't matter what you say, it's how you say it. And that's a big deal when it comes to stuff like that, because we don't want to overanalyze the idea of the phraseology in, I would like to take that to prayer to God, the almighty on your behalf, doesn't do anything more than I'll pray for you. Like they're not, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't do any more. It probably makes you look worse. But when you really consider just, just the idea of like how you're presenting it, it's a big deal. You know, if you're typically a more cold-hearted person, show that empathy. You know, let that be on display. Take a minute and humble yourself. Before you even tell them what you're going to do, be in prayer. God, how can I be sensitive to this situation and go from there? Like, those are quick little things. And like <laughs> Doc's comment earlier, help. You know, I've been in that situation mm-hmm. countless times. Yes, I, sir, I <laughs> help, help. And then it's all of a sudden you're just, you know, exactly what to do. Mm-hmm. And, like out of nowhere, you know, sometimes it feels that way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, you know, like not to discredit the idea. If you have the opportunity to sit down with them and get them more time in the word, absolutely. That's your well, win. But if you're bumping into someone at the gas station or Wawa and you're like, Hey, like, I know you're going through this. Like, I'll definitely keep you in prayer. That's that can be just as important. I've had I've had plenty of people that are just like I've had short, very intimate encounters that like I didn't think that this would lead to anything. And it's just like they knew I was a Christian and they'll be like, hey, can you pray for me? And I'm like, absolutely, I'll pray for you. Sometimes you do it right on the spot. Sometimes they don't want to. They just want you to take it to your prayer life because they don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it leads to open doors. If you have that heart of compassion for whatever they're going through, saying in any way, I will pray for you is going to get the point across and it's going to be an uplifting, encouraging thing to them, regardless of how many words you use right. or how long winded it seems. And, and, and the reason why I asked the pastor to answer, because I went through this a while, a year ago when my best friend passed away and he referred me to both of them to Psalms to try to help his son who still today is having a very hard time with it. And I can understand that. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I walked in his shoes many years ago myself, but it's good to have something like that where you could put in your head and it's a quick not to say you, I want to make my quickness with God, but yeah. sometimes it may be, like you said, in shop, right? You don't have a lot of time or something. Doc, do you want to add uh, okay. any, to her, now, anything to her? Because she's really, really uh, tuned the, in now. This is, this is another thing that people have to understand, and, and, and especially in, in these days. Prayer has been shown to be scientifically effective. Mm-hmm. A triple-blind study done on people in the ICU the people praying didn't know the people they were praying for. The people that were getting prayed for didn't know that they were being prayed mm-hmm. for. And the doctors didn't know who was being prayed for and who wasn't being prayed for. So that's a triple blind study, not a double, but a triple. They found out statistically significant that the people being prayed for did far better, statistically significant, far better than the people who were not being prayed for. Pray for me, buddy. Yes. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. Do you stop. Yeah, all the time. All the time. I mean, how can you not deny it? I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean, you're a doctor, of course, but I mean, we know because they have proven it already. Already, yeah. That and it they, does and they, work. And, and people will still deny the fact of prayer doesn't work. And it's powerful and it's important to keep it even in your close friends. I, I if I'm assuming everyone in this room has someone that they go to with their prayer requests. Before I came here, you know, my normal Tuesday night is going to Bible study. Mm-hmm. So I we text, away I texted the people that I would be in Bible study with where we normally catch up and talk about prayer stuff and I said, "Hey, I'm not, I'll I'll tell you. I said, "Hey, I'm not going to be there tonight. I'm going 
to do the radio show again with them. And they said, okay, great. I said, so send up some prayers for me this week. And I made a comment afterwards, after like a couple of minutes, I was like, uh, the prayer was not for tonight so much as for the rest of my week for the for the other stuff going on you know and like you just get to joke and clarify mm-hmm. because like i know they're praying for me it doesn't matter whether i said it was for tonight or for them right, right. you know and i texted back and i was like oh man i wouldn't have wasted it on that you know i've already been praying about that one pray for something else you know and they were- it is so interesting that because god is he's so much smarter than we Absolutely. it's interesting that you said that because i want to bring this point up we don't have much time left and i don't want to miss this that whether it's peter whether it's Paul, whether it's John, whether it's James. These are the biggies in the New Testament that we, that we see, and we can examine their prayers. That when you look at the Apostle Paul, he says, I pray this for you. I pray that you might, God may open your eyes of understanding. You might have wisdom. I pray for you that you might have the protection that you need. When you find, when you see John writing, he says, I write this that you may know. Because you need to know this. You can even know that you have what you ask when you ask the Father, if you ask in his name. You've got James who says, look, I, I want you to know that, that this fervent, effective prayer avails much. You need to be fervent in your prayer. When you start to look at that, and Peter is saying, my prayer for you is this, that you can stand fast in the day of trouble when this terrible things come your way, that you can be able to stand. So he said, I, I, this is what I took away from that. Each one of these men knew the people that they were praying for. It wasn't just, hey, so i got to pray for those people over there, kind of a generic group of people, and I'm just going to pray a generic prayer. He knew them. What do you need? Because what your needs are, that's what I'm praying for. Mm -hmm. You know how effective it is to just say, I'll be praying for you, but say, I know you. Or what do I need to know so that I can pray intelligently? What do I need to know to pray intelligently? What do I need? To, and we do that because we need to get to know. They're the people that we can rely on to pray for us because they're going to pray intelligently. There may be things that I physically do not need. Maybe there are things that I desperately need, but you wouldn't know unless you know me. Mm-hmm. So how can you pray intelligently? Maybe I'm struggling with my confidence in uh, in my... Uh, security in Christ. Maybe that's an issue for me. Maybe I'm battling some kind of sin. Maybe I'm in some kind of terrible spiritual warfare. If I don't let somebody know, maybe that's the flip side of that, if I don't let somebody know these are areas in my life that I'm struggling, I can't get them to pray for me intelligently. Yeah, I think that... As equally as important as it is for us to be reaching out to others in, like, what way can I specifically be praying for you? It's also one of those things that, like, you will not open up or be honest about the things you're actually seeking prayer for unless you, A, trust the person, and B, know Wait, that can the— can you say that again? Unless you, A, trust to the person, Man, you will not big. open up, and that's a big deal. And oftentimes in church culture, which not to go down that road too much, you see that people are like, hey, will you pray for me for A, B, C, and D? And then I'm like, of course I'll pray for you for A, B, C, and D. Hey, Doc, we really got to pray for Vince on A, B, C, and D. You believe that? <laughs> oh, and it goes so Rick. That's not what we're called <laughs> we to. need to pray yeah. for him. Yeah. yeah, and then Rick's here, and, and over there, all of a sudden, everybody's like, hey, I really heard you're struggling with this. Sorry a, to hear B, that. C, you know, and, and like now we're just spreading people's sins all over the place. When that's not the goal of what we're seeking out. Now, you need that trust and you need that relationship with someone in order to get to the deep and the real and the important stuff. Now, if 
any stranger walks up to me in church like, hey, how can I pray for you? I'm like, pray church keeps moving. Pray that progress is being made. Pray that we're not in God's way on a Sunday morning. <laughs> pray that. you know. And I've had that conversation with people I don't know well. But when my pastor slash father comes up to me, he's like, hey, what can we pray for today? I'm like, hey, we're really struggling with this today or whatever it is. And it's a much different answer than you give the regular quote unquote public, whatever you want to call it, to someone that you're not intimate with. World peace. <laughs> and yeah. in a similar way, <laughs> but in a similar way, you will not let go of the things that you hide deeper if you don't have an active personal relationship with God. So your prayers, I will tell you this, personal experience, when you actually encounter God to the place where you trust him wholeheartedly, you are abandoning things that you hide from anyone and everyone, the things that you're ashamed of, the things that are way deeper down than you let on to. And that that day that you do that and make that connection will be the deepest day of prayer you'll probably ever have, <laughs> you know, because you're just like, I'm willing to surrender all the way through Z to you today. So I'm going to give you all of this. Now what? Now I have nothing to hide in front of you. I have nothing going on. I have nothing to cling to. And like the relationship that you can have with God through that is just so much different. Doc. Yeah. So uh, this evening we had answers to prayer. Before we started, uh, I received a text, but the way I got the text was in the middle of the text, and I never got the first part of the text. Sure. That's yeah. No, yep. it's true. I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> we'll say it if, it, if it wasn't true, because if I had read it, I'd have been way ahead of the game. Sure, sure. So anyway, the pastor prays, you know, a God, uh, Doc is going to need something about Peter. Please go give him what you know he's supposed to have. Now, I've been carrying around this book since 1989. Your Peter Bible? Your Peter it's, Bible. This is my Bible. Peter Bible. And my Peter Bible has <laughs> a little section in there called the Master's Outline Number 9 Prayer. Okay? And it has something that it said in Peter. And I'm saying, it was like God saying, what have you been carrying in your pocket? <laughs> You've been carrying this. Will you please look up the topic of prayer? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. What did Peter have to say? Oh, well, let me read what it says about prayer because that kind of like... You got... We have one minute. So... Oh. Make so, it count. So make it count. Make it count. This is people's take-home point. Don't, oh, don't drop the ball. Oh, this is people's take-home point. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> prayer is as old as man and as universal as religion and as extinctive as breathing. It is practiced by... Some form by all men of all faiths. Prayer springs from the heart with a need, a need greater than man's ability to encounter. Prayer is man's acknowledgement of a being higher than himself. Most men try to pray, yet so few know how. There are two kinds of prayers, the prayer that does not reach God and the prayer that does reach God. This is illustrated in by our Lord in the parable of the Pharisee and the publican. And that's Luke 18, 9 to 14. Both men came to the same place at the same time for the same purpose, to pray. The Pharisee, in his religious pride, expecting God to answer because he thought himself worthy. He informed God of his own works. He said, I fast, I give this kind of prayer this is the kind of prayer that does not reach God, the self-righteous prayer. Now look at the publican and his prayer. He came to God in great humility, conscious of his unworthiness, confessing himself a sinner. 
begging for mercy. This is the kind of prayer that does reach God. This is righteous prayer. It is a rare privilege to pray because it brings you into close fellowship with God, admitting your need for him and your utter dependence upon him. I've had this in my pocket for longer than Chins has been on the earth. Ah, So, wrap it up. Sure. Go ahead. With prayer? Wrap it up and then pray. (laughs) Well, you know, as a... As we talked about a lot of different applications for prayer tonight, it's important to keep one thing in perspective, who we're praying to and who we're praying for. You know, we can uh, we can get to a deeper level with people we trust more than anyone else, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing. So if you're not making it an opportunity to get to know and have personal relationships with other believers around you, then you're not going to be able to effectively pray for them, and you will probably not have someone you're willing to air your dirty laundry with, and I encourage you to find that person, not in a way to boast in any capacity about the sin you've overcome or the sin you've been a part of, but in a way to just say, I need help in this area I struggle with, and I know it's going to stay and die here with you, and I need you to take it to God on my behalf because... I just need help through it, and that's an important thing. The other thing is having an important prayer life, or no, 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 the importance of having a prayer life is relational. You have to have that relationship with God in order to know and trust Him, because if you don't know Him, it's harder to trust Him with the things that you find overwhelming in your life. You think, if you don't believe that God is bigger than your circumstance, you won't trust Him with your circumstance, and that's that's an area you don't want to be in. So get to know him more. Dive into God's word. He's given you a cheat sheet on getting to know him and to see who he is from the creator of the universe, from the reshaper of the earth with the flood, all the way through his plan to send his perfect son to die and rise again for us so that we didn't have to pay that price all the way through. That's the guy that wants to commune with you in prayer. That's the guy that wants to help you through your small, small situations, your big, big situations, whatever it is, he's there for you. So we're going to close in prayer tonight, and uh, yeah, that's it for us today. Lord God, we come before you, and the men in this room, we're just happy that uh, we can call you Father, that we can trust you the way that we do, that we can uh, lean on you the way we do. Lord, help us to uh, trust you all the more. Help us to get to know you. Help us to just understand that you are You are everything, Lord. You are a creator, you are a giver of life, and you hold the world in balance, Lord. And I ask that tonight you would just help us to uh, leave here ourselves with with a renewed passion for prayer and conversation with you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you for joining us and listening to The Carpenter's Son with Pastor Vince Lombardo of Calvary Chapel of Hamilton. Join us next Tuesday at 7 p.m. for The Carpenter's Son on WNJHradio.com.